This is Pop Fiction Women. I'm Corinne. I'm Kate. And we're complicated. Blunt. Total boss. But sometimes a mess. Opinionated. But never boring. And in this podcast, we're discussing the complicated women of the best books, TV, and movies. Along with the complicated women behind the scenes. Warning, lots of spoilers ahead. So come back when you're done. Hurry up, it's starting. Today we are talking about little fires everywhere. Are, are you cooled down at all from our pre-talk? I'm not that cooled okay. down. Okay. <laughs> I'm on fire. Oh, good. Okay. Perfect. I Perfect. am uh, ablaze. <laughs> okay. Oh, jeez. I'm going to do this it. the whole damn time. <laughs> I love it. I And you know I'll love it. Yes. And then you'll hate it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. So we're talking about Little Fires Everywhere from Celeste Ng. Little Fires Everywhere is about two families, the Richardsons and the Warrens. The Richardsons are a very traditional upper-class family consisting of two professional parents and four children. The Warrens are decidedly very not traditional. There's one daughter and her nomadic artist mother who is a single mother in the old school sense of the word, meaning there's no father in the picture at all, not financially, not parentally, or even mythically, he has no story. The matriarchs of these two families, Elena Richardson and Mia Warren, become very intentionally, though not always with good intentions, embroiled in a custody battle over a one-year-old baby of a poor Chinese immigrant who left her infant on the firehouse steps and whom has been living with and cared for by one of Elena's best friends, another local Shaker Heights family. We'll get to that adoption storyline later because there's a lot to talk about there. But let's start with these two matriarchs, these complicated women. How about Elena? You mean Mrs. Richardson. (laughs) Yes, Um, she is. By the way, the most ridiculous reference is when they're talking about her as an infant. (laughs) Because they're talking when there's this storyline about her mom uh and how her mom like took her to marches and whatnot. And she's like, she had another baby, a young Mrs. Richardson. And I was like, that's a baby. Can't you call the baby Elena? (laughs) See, yeah, no, I mean, it's I, I I'm sure I could Google this, like how many times she's actually referenced as Elena. Versus Mrs. Richardson, but I mean the vast majority of the time it is yes. Mrs. Richardson, and I yes. I guess well I could even s- when she's a baby yes and yeah. so well I'll get back to that but okay because yes, yes. once we I'll just sort of give a description I guess of Mrs. Richardson okay um, she lives by her rules and regulations mm-hmm. she is extremely ordered woman she measures out her morning cereal portion. She Mm -hmm. scratches a little limit mark on her evening wine glass so that she doesn't go over the set portion that she wants to drink. (laughs) I really need to adopt that myself. But anyway, (laughs) um, she like pecks each of her children on the head when she returns from work every night. She prides herself really on this unshakable life she's created in Mm -hmm. the idyllic community of Shaker Heights. Her Mm -hmm. husband's a lawyer who was her college sweetheart. And she had four children in close succession that she clearly planned that way. They live in a large and beautiful home. She's a journalist and a Mm -hmm. Shaker Heights native. So this is where she grew up. And at one point, the narrator says her house was large, her children safe and happy and well-educated. This was, she told herself, the broad strokes of what she had planned out all those years ago. 
Mm-hmm. So this has been the course she set for herself, and she is meticulous uh, and dogged yes. about sticking to that. We learn very early on that she comes from a well-to-do family whose assets include a small rental property, which, mm-hmm. which they note serves as a source of supplemental income for their yearly vacations. Yeah. And so she rents this two-family house out to people who she thinks uh, need some sort of financial break, if you will, mm-hmm. which makes mm-hmm. her, of course, feel very altruistic and, yes. and very good about herself. Yes. Uh, so her yes. new tenants are this... Are, are Mia and Pearl Warren. And of course, as you just described, and we'll talk about later, they are then become sort of the center of this story. And I'll just know, based on what I I just said about her, that I do think the author's use of Mrs. Richardson versus Elena, of course, is very intentional. She's structured, respected, has a stable job, you know, did all the right things. And she's just the type of person who I would think would introduce herself by her full name, whereas Mia, who you're about to describe, would be the type of person that says, please call me Mia. It is interesting, though, with that third person point of view, that she chose, it gets more annoying and harder to carry through when you're doing it so many times. Yes. As opposed to, you know, if it was written in first person and she just introduced herself merely in dialogue as Mrs. Richardson, which we would expect of her. I think it would be appropriate, but less sort of intrusive. I mean, it's really, it's, it's really something you're, you are aware of yeah, right, when you're reading. This. Absolutely. This, you can't get, aw- you can't get away from no, Mrs. No, and, it, and it's very yeah. impersonal, right? Yeah. I do think that that has an effect on the reader in terms of how much we can really get to know this character. It, it has yeah. an effect for sure. Yes. Yes, it does. Okay. So Mia probably couldn't be any more opposite from Elena, right? I mean, anything you said is the opposite. Mm -hmm. I had described her as quiet and reserved, but not in a shrinking violet type of way, as in a really as a kind of a lurker who's always observing and watching and, and maybe calculating on the inside and deciding what she needs to be involved with and what it's best to sort of stay under the radar for. Mm -hmm. I think she is resourceful she's adaptable definitely certainly in 2020 she would be called resilient Mm -hmm. right as buzzword elena thinks she doesn't play by the rules that mia doesn't play by the rules but i don't know if that's quite true you know mia does she has a job yeah both both a paying job and a passionate job right she is always operating within the confines of the law Mm -hmm. and even the laws of society you know, on a small scale, her kid is in the public school system. She pays her taxes. She contributes to Social Security. But I think what rubs Elena the wrong way is that she is a nonconformist. The fact that she doesn't buy into a singular vision right. of what the perfect life would be. And that is offensive, yeah. I think, to, to Mrs. Richardson. Completely. So. But I agree with you. I mean, she's not that much of a nonconformist such that I really could buy why it would not just I could see why it would rub Mrs. Richardson the wrong way certainly Mm -hmm. because they are very different but to then make it such that it drives her to really sort of go after this woman I, I I just thought that didn't really ring you know very true to me because you're right she's not She's not that much of a of a of a nonconformist to me. I so I agree yeah. with you. I don't. I didn't. 
I didn't get why it could really ignite this rage and oh, I, de- her. I definitely do. At one point, finally, I do. But at, and we'll, when we talk about scenes, maybe we'll get to that. But but there was okay. a large part of it where I was like, "What is her problem?" All right, so well, she's I a think, little offbeat. She's a free spirit. I yeah, know but I think I think most the most upsetting thing, or maybe it was just the first thing was that she didn't seem to appreciate Mrs. Richardson's good nature, right? Oh, Her God, good but intentions. Yes, cuz she and that, I was like get and over that, yourself. Yeah, I hear I you, mean, but cuz <laughs> she's only doing don't. those things to make herself feel better and just because of Mia course. didn't go, "Oh my god, you're right, you're so gracious, blah blah blah." Yeah. I mean, jeez. She's putting herself out, but it's for the reason that she knows what she will get back is effusive appreciation and she does not from Mia. Yes. And that that sets things completely off on the wrong foot. Yeah, it does, but I And that's something she can't get over. Right, and I get that yeah. like you'd be annoyed. But to then go down the path she goes based on that. But then it's Mia who pushes the adoption, well, yes. which well, is right. upsetting. Right. Yeah. That's that's yeah. I mean what it's is not ultimate. just one thing. Yes, but that it's, is where you finally see what lights the spark in her to go yeah. after her. Yes. 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 yes that yes, that yes. that's finally the the match. How many yeah. fire oh references God. can I, I love make? It. And I love it. And I love that I was like, oh I love it. And you're like, no, it drove me crazy. And now here you are doing it. I love it. I just it. want to see how many I can do. Okay. I love anyway. it. But who did you who did you relate to more? So I definitely I related to them both. I think that <laughs> I was kind of raised as a Mia. I was raised by people who did not care about the rules um interesting yeah definitely and we were sort of a little offbeat outsider kind of mentality but as soon as I was old enough to choose in any way I was dying to become Elena or Mrs. Richardson oh you're like so you're like the crossover kid I, well, I'll talk about yeah. that. I actually will. And I don't think it's Lexi, but yeah, but we'll talk about that. And I think now I'm really working my way towards balance. I've read this book quite a few times now since it came out. This time I kept thinking about each of them representing, one of them represents power and the other one represents control. I, I usually lump those things together, right? Power and control. It seems like those are kind of the same thing, mm-hmm. or at least in my head they were. Mm-hmm. But this is where you see the nuance of what I mean, I think, because Elena is really all about control, oh, right? Yeah. Control, order. Mm-hmm. She wants to repress disruption, right? Mm-hmm. To me, and I know everyone won't agree with me, but to me, her power is a false one. It's the pa- it's like a n- negative oh, power. Oh, completely. Right? You, you've, you've taken right. away what I was just about to say in part, but oh, yeah, no, about yeah. control. I, absolutely. Yeah, and, and it's a, the power of like not letting things happen or of keeping things the same. Mia's power is to me uh, truer in the sense of, of the word power. It's an active thing. She makes things happen. She physically moves, right? She changes things. And she doesn't accept things just because that's the way they are. She has the power to challenge them, right? And even if she ultimately goes along with the the majority or the status quo she still thinks about it as a choice for herself and I think that's that's where I want to end up is I don't want to do what everyone's doing just because everyone's doing it but now I think the middle ground is is thinking about it and then deciding what's best for you 
whether that's with the majority or the, or not. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, yeah. I, I totally agree. I think they're both such extremes yes. that I agree with you that somewhere in the middle is where I'd like to be. I mean, that yes. that's one of my criticisms that they were really just a little too one-dimensional for me and they fit too neatly into these just opposite boxes. But mm-hmm. if I were to say who... I think I relate to more. It's unfortunately probably Mrs. Richardson. I have no Mia that I can really see right now. I am a self-described rule follower. I like structure and order and like her. I think I like those things because they make me feel safe, right? And and calm. And my house is immaculate as a kid. Like I couldn't do my homework if my bed wasn't made. I mean, there there are some issues. Like, (laughs) and I I am self aware enough to know that those are based in control. Like you're saying, when things, I don't like when things get out of control or messy. And so people like me or Mrs. Richardson think that if you if you are orderly and if things look orderly. That you're in control and that everything will be fine. And of course, we know that's not true, but right. you kind of can't that's tell the, the control. Illusion. Yes, right. it's an illusion right. and you've convinced yourself of it. And I do feel like that's what, you know, Mrs. Richardson is dealing with. And that's the same for me. So I do oh think I related more to that. And Kate, it's, if I, I oh, think yeah. if I took a picture of where I'm sitting right now, you might die. Why like, is it messy? It, oh, oh I, God. I am, I, everything is so messy. All Always so messy. And I, yes. as you know, tape this in my son's bedroom. And yeah. I have to make his bed before we do it. Oh fluff gosh. the pillows. This is not a lie. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and like rearrange things and oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah like I'm staring yeah. at his bookcase and I want to go over and like alphabetize the books oh my goodness okay so maybe I am <laughs> um less Elena even even in my Elena-ness it's I don't think I ever came close to yeah no that. probably yeah. not this is a sickness really <laughs> no, you know I mean it is because people should just like you don't remember this in college like because we weren't in the same freshman dorm but yes. I had this feather bed like okay. ridiculous in my bedroom my bedroom was so bizarre for a college person I mean I had this huge <laughs> feather bed where I would fluff it up and the the pillow shams matched the dust ruffle and it was right. always perfectly neat and like all the guys from the first floor would just come running up and just jump on it jump on it of course because they were like fucking this is too neat like what are you doing i'm like oh god oh god oh god yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's not good but you know what's amazing to me just about one piece of what you said just really i don't know really struck me i like control too but it just doesn't look like that because (laughs) to me like structure and order and sameness like i really i i almost immediately feel like i could die Oh, like, wow. Like, yeah. You know, those hashtag every damn day, you know, yeah. like yo- yoga every damn day, write every damn day, whatever it is, you know. And I'm like, if I did anything outside of the bathroom every day, I'd probably die. Like, I don't even walk the same way to anywhere. Like, I, <laughs> something inside me would die, even yeah. if I wasn't, like, paying attention and I accidentally walked the exact same way Yeah, you, to you have more I, Mia. You have more oh Mia in God. you. Yes, and, I'm realizing that. And yes. even <laughs> as I, it's not that I can't understand why that would really, like, irk 
Mrs. Richardson, yeah. because I yeah. do know some, I have some friends who are really free spirited and right. kind of annoyed. Yes. And they, it, it does fucking bug me. I like, I, I'm just yeah. like, dude, like get your <laughs> shit together. Or I go to their house and I'm like, are you just going to like leave this like this? I don't know. Why should I care? So that's the way they are. If they want to be yeah. like that, let it go. Okay. But yeah, I but have to tell myself that. Yeah. Because it's not just, I see, I guess I think I have inner order like I care very much about inner order like my thoughts and my Mm. but but outer doesn't really matter to me but if outer matters to you then someone else not doing it is offensive right I I understand that no I know you can let it go yeah no but 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 I understand yeah Yeah, I do I understand that sort of a little bit offensive yeah yeah I understand (laughs) I I mean it really makes sense yeah and I'm one of the offenders so I'm not you know but I, I get it. We're not as extreme, but I think we're definitely, I'm Mia, you're Elena. Yeah, God, yeah. and I don't even like <laughs> no, Elena. You notice why I keep calling her Mrs. Richardson, because I just, right. that's how. You want distance. I want like, distance. I don't, want. <laughs> I, don't I want distance, and I'll, on principle here, I will keep calling her that. Uh, okay, that's fair. Well, so yeah, well, we, are we going to, do we get to talk about, you know, whether we really think she's complicated or my criticism. Sure. Yeah. Let, yes. I gotta, let's do that. I got to let it gonna... out, Corinne. Okay. Oh, my God. I love it. I'm, I cannot wait. Okay. So Bring it on. I just feel like this is usually your role, which I love because yes. lots of times with our complicated females, you question, rightly so, whether there's enough inner conflict or some moment mm-hmm. of vulnerability or a low point and then you know, whether there's growth in their in their story arc. And on this particular point, Little Fires Everywhere disappointed me. And I mm-hmm. feel like there were so many missed opportunities. And when we talked earlier, I said I, uh, offline, I said maybe this does have to do with the third person omniscient uh, point of view. I don't know. But for the yeah. most part throughout the book, I felt like both of these women were stuck, as I said, in their one-dimensional roles. And I know what we, the reader, are supposed to see as growth Mm -hmm. or the lesson Mm -hmm. learned. There's a lot of telling, I think, and not showing, unfortunately. But I just don't see or feel the character's realization of these things. So let me just take mrs richardson okay before yeah. but before you go into it i do i don't think it's a limitation I, I mean i do agree with you i actually find that elena changes more than mia but the book is not really about any person right, right. it's not even about the two of these women it's really about a lot of people and a lot of situations mm-hmm. there is a lot of change in the story there's change is represented on every level i think but if you're going to isolate these two people and say, did they change a lot from the beginning to the end? Say the way I did with Sasha uh, uh, Tran right. in, right? It's just not possible. I think there's just way too much going on in the story. There's too many characters. There's too many relationships. There's too many dynamics to really allow for one particular character to change a ton from beginning to end. I don't know, because I, I, I definitely agree that there's a lot going on, and that's that's yeah. one of the things that I actually do like about the book. But yeah. Yeah. but I, I don't know that it's mutually exclusive that, that then within that, I still, there's some examples, I'll go through them, where I think there yeah. were missed opportunities, where it's not a lot, okay. where you yeah, could have had that. So, okay. so with Mrs. Richardson, like I think 
again, with what we're supposed to see. I mean, I think we're supposed to see that her strict adherence to these rules and regulations that have governed her life hasn't Mm -hmm. delivered her all the happiness and fulfillment that she thought it would. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But does Mrs. Richardson ever realize that? I mean, she does she self-reflect. The only person who does have this kind of aha moment, like what are all these rules for and are they even good, is her Mm -hmm. husband. After the yeah. custody trial, yeah. this was on page 269, like Mr. Richardson yes. says about his wife, right? This is yeah. the narrator says yeah. about his wife, colon. Yes. It's like for her, it had been simple, you know, whatever. Yeah. One had followed the rules, one had not. But the problem with rules he reflected yes. was that they implied a right way and a wrong way to do things. When in fact, mm. most of the time there were simply ways, none yes. of them quite right or wrong. I'm sorry, quite wrong or quite right, and nothing Mm -hmm. to tell you for sure which side of the line you stood on. And that's a great line. And and it's a great realization about these rules and that there isn't Mm -hmm. a right or wrong. But she doesn't have that reflection. No. I think if she had that, I think she would collapse. Like, she would die. The whole... She would combust. I don't think she really? can. Ha- I mean, yeah, I don't think she's poised to have a realization like that. Well, she the doesn't change- the whole time. So clearly, yeah, but she I don't wasn't. think she was. Yeah, I don't think she was set up to have that. That would have been. I think that would have been insane. You can't go from being who she was to just being like, eh. You can't have a glimpse, though, of like, shit, look at all these rules that I created, but all this bad stuff's happening, so maybe I've got it wrong, you know? like Yeah, she does. I think she does, but she cannot have, no, she cannot have them for herself. I think anyone's process of change generally starts outside yourself and she does have those moments when she reflects on other people when she reflects on Mia when she reflects on Bibi she is constantly saying ah maybe and does she stay with it no she doesn't but she notices it and she talks about it and she she thinks about things in ways that she could not have before Mia came into her life Mm. and and yeah. that's the way she changes. She's definitely not even going to... I don't even think she would ever get to the place where she thinks rules aren't important. Oh, I think... Yeah, she's not going to become... I'm not talking about a yeah. lobotomy, clearly. No. You're not going to suddenly no. become... I'm talking a little yeah. nuanced view of what has been her guiding principles. Not not so, a total reformation right. of her being. Right. So the changes I saw were more that she was more like Izzy when she was younger and that that it frightened her and that she didn't that wasn't something she wanted to explore so we're told that first and then later we see little bits of it coming out she acts impulsively going to to Mia's family's house to investigate Mia I mean that was pretty bold that wasn't it was impulsive it was bold it It was I didn't buy it I thought now little miss rule follower is, yeah. is jetting off to, to... But she did. She did. She did. She and did. she could... And I thought it worked because she almost lied to herself like it was something journalistic, yes, right? She something a journalist would do. Mm-hmm. And she is. So I thought it worked. And I do think there's another part where she entertains that she's made sacrifices and that maybe she doesn't have exactly the life she wanted but the life she has she loves and so that I mean it's not I understand what you're saying it's really not a a, it's certainly not what Mr. Richardson reflects on but it it was enough to be like wow that's for for Alina Richardson to even let that into her 
thought process to justify her choices. I was like, that's a big deal. Like that, and that happens towards the end. I think it's when she reflects back on how she sort of not gave up on the sort of bigger dreams of journalistic hopes. You mean that when she. Yeah. Well, that and then also the um, Jamie, her, her high school boyfriend. I think she does it in a in a few places where she just entertains that maybe there was some different path. And she always comes very quickly back to this was the right path for her. But even entertaining it, I think is a really big deal for her to let that into her to to feel that she needs to justify that in her own mind. I think is pretty shocking yeah, and, think, and a big change for that character. I guess because she goes right back to justifying yeah. herself that I then, whatever effect it should have had, I would yeah. just like her to let, like, just let it linger. Just let it sit yeah. maybe with her. You know, like, yeah. she then goes right back to, but it's fine because I have the, the life I wanted. Again, you know, thinking of Fleabag, it's all you can ask for in season one of Fleabag, right? In season two, you know, little fires everywhere too. You could ask more. more oh, when from we get Elena, to Crystal but, Ball, you're right. We could yeah. correct all of these things. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't. Yeah. I don't think you could ask for more of Alina at this point. I think. Um, that, I, I think that's a lot. Actually, I really do. I I think you th- those are cracks that you're saying. Yes, and absolutely. I'm saying. They were cracks. I see them, but since she like immediately like putties over the cracks, I I it, it's like it lost it for me. I, yeah. I guess I just yeah. wanted to know Elena, and mm. then see how I used her name there. Um, yes, <laughs> just sort of see into her real self or underneath the perfect veneer. But oh, I don't know what else you think there's going to be. I think this have... is her real self. But but her real self is it is. If it's so that she can keep control and so that she can have a perfect life, it's not fucking working at all. Have Kate, most people don't. <laughs> yeah, but then I, so you know. this felt very true to me. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. And how about Mia? So do you, you said you thought she grew less than? Yeah, I didn't see anything. So I, I gave yeah, you all I my. Agree. I agree. That's yeah, <laughs> I didn't see anything in Mia. And. I was really disappointed that she left. Yes, um, she's running really again. Really disappointed. Yeah, really. Yeah. And because it, it really made the idea that she had quote unquote wanted to stay this time. Yeah. It made it feel like bullshit. Compl- I guess if I was going to reverse engineer it from what I just said, the changes for Mia came in the beginning and then she ch- sort of changed back, right? The fact that she was even willing to yes. stay in Shaker Heights was kind of a big deal. And yeah, but then so, you're right. In the end, I thought she's she doing doesn't. the same thing again. Yeah. So then for yeah. me, both of them, I, 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 I felt like didn't really let me see their inner conflict yeah. and their growth. So, so that was hard for me, yeah. given my the two. I know there are a lot of characters, but I view yeah. them as the two main characters. So you you think these they're not complicated? Or you just didn't see. I guess I don't know what you're yeah, concluding no. is from that because I do agree with you, but I think we might end up in different places. Yeah, I I don't know that I I view them as terribly complicated compared to some of the other uh, female protagonists that we've talked about. But but more importantly, oh, I just didn't feel like I knew them that well. I do think they were very complicated women in their own rights. You really get this story from a, you know, like a 10,000 foot view, right? There, we are not in anyone's head that, that long right. or that closely. And I think the cover is a really good representation of this. This is not one person's story. This is a story of a lot of relationships and 
I do think that the kids had the most to learn and they were just ripe for that, the teenagers. Yeah. I've read stories like this where there's, uh, like what you're saying, like where there's what? a lot of, t- well, I've, I don't know, but where there's, it's not just focused on one or two people, where there's, you know, different families or different people, there's more than one thing going on and you can still feel something stronger no, to I a character. Ask, yeah, I ask that very genuinely because yeah, no, I do, I, know. I don't think there are books like hers. I do think... And this is something I'm, we'll, we'll talk about later, but I'm just fascinated and obsessed with Celeste Ng oh because God, really? the way she taught, yeah, the way she writes both omniscient and close third person, but not even one person third, you know, there's not one person's point of view. It's many people's point of view in this close third plus the omniscient. I just, I find it just otherworldly I would I would read every everything she wrote mm-hmm. I love it I okay, love it okay. I just don't think that there's anything else like this out there well and I love it it's probably that's correct that maybe that there's nothing else like it but I just mean that there are certainly other stories where there's a lot are of you characters but are you in there as are they first person like you know there are I'm thinking of like a I don't know girl on the train there are there are points of view but each chapter, even though there are many different points of view, each chapter is a first person. So you're really in their head and you really hear their story. So maybe I only like first person. Is this what we're getting at? Here? No. Or <laughs> if it's, cl- well, no, Marianne, I mean, no, in I normal people, that's very close third. and it's, But it's only two people. Yeah. So you really do get into their heads. And you stay with them for a very long period of time. We are in so many people's heads. We're in Linda's, which head. a lot of We're people in... don't like. That 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 I I know see, I that's it. a lot I of the it. criticism that people have. It's like they're we're jumping too often yes. from one head to the other to the other within like a paragraph or within yeah, a page. And I know. So maybe I'm one of those people. Uh, but I didn't I feel like it was bothering me when I was reading it. But the yeah. end result is I'm bothered. So maybe, I know. To, you know what I, I mean? Know. Yes, I do. I know. Yeah. I know because I, 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 if I sound a little down or I'm sighing, it's because <laughs> the, I've written, no, I've written a book and it's very, I've, I've told you about it, but it's very mm-hmm. early stages. And I said, it's very ambitious because I, it is this way. And I have two women that I work with very closely that I've been working with, you know, for a a long time and I show them early drafts that I would never show anyone else and this is their problem they're like Mm. you jump from someone's head in in a paragraph and I'm like but I love when Celeste does it I think the problem is it's not that I'm I I've come to the fact that I'm not doing it wrong it's just that something that people don't like and but, somehow though but you know what somehow people like Celeste Ng which is what I said to you earlier like what am I missing because clearly I don't know if it it's is true that I don't know that it's true that people like her I think that this book is very widely read yeah um I think it's very ripe for book clubs which are mostly oh, you're right, you know of all the themes mostly of the and all, yeah but yeah. they're and truthfully they're mostly of the Elena Richardson Ill. You can rip on motherhood any which way. Mm-hmm. So I think millions of people bought this book and I millions of book club, clubs did it. And I don't know that anyone loves it the way I do. I, I'm, as usual, just I, a I don't weird, know. I an mean, odd bird. Reese Witherspoon loves it enough to make it. I know. Well, Reese and Carrie Washington are, loves it enough. So Right. Well, again, 
thinking that this is as an actor they're both acting in it right so this is a meaty role yes you know, and it's a, a good story listen the, yeah, all these a, things we're talking about all the stuff yes, that happens yes, that's great yes. you want to make a show out of something like where yes. a lot of stuff's happening <laughs> right you also want to make a show where you know you have millions of yeah. people who've already bought the book so yes. I mean it's that's not a huge jump but I guarantee so many people read this book and find it to be a justification for their own Elena Richardson lives right like they're oh, like okay they? I'm yes it makes me feel like, terrible that I relate to Elena order. Richardson order is the right way to be oh my god is- and see I read this and do see myself and then go oh god really Kate come on yeah. Don't, don't be Elena. Might, see, I think you might be alone, and I think that's a pretty oh. evolved point of view. Oh well, good. Kudos and a pretty to me. daring, yeah, a pretty <laughs> daring and bold point of view. I mean, if you've set up your whole life, yeah, for this, and not only Elena is now, uh, you know, multi generational, right? So this has been handed yeah. down from her. It's to a her. torch, they say again with the, yes, with the fire Very reference. Clean. A torch. Like, could you imagine the thought of her changing it? Would, would. You know, I, okay. I think everything I get that. and everyone would implode. Although so I, I wants that. have personally been challenging it internally myself. So you're saying I might have a more evolved view because yes. I have of late started to question that in myself. So that's yes. why you're right. I yes. might have a different viewpoint and it bothers me that she doesn't question yes. it enough. So this my issue of she doesn't have this inner conflict or come to this recognition that this doesn't fucking work. You can't control everything. And yeah. how it looks on the outside as no, isn't always indicative of what's going on on the inside. I You're saying most people don't engage don't in that even, kind of self-reflection. No, because, okay. because if you do... It blows everything up. It could. It certainly could, right? Yes. And who wants that? Who wants to go down that road? Um, yeah. I love, though, that you're having an opposite. You're having an Alina Richardson reaction almost in the opposite. You're like, if I have to question whether this is really right or not, she should, too. Yes, that's ex- that's <laughs> actually, you've hit the nail on the head. God I'm damn like, it. I'm like, listen, Elena, you need to look inside yourself oh and see God. what's going on here, okay? Yeah, but you're also like, well, if I have to do it, nobody wants to do this. If I have to do it, you have to do it too. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I am. I am. I demand more of her. <laughs> I love it. We've gone deep here. <laughs> I love it. Kate's uh, on the couch. <laughs> okay, we have to move on. We yeah, have to move on, to, move the, on. to the adoption. Sure. These women oh, yes, have yes, really right. gotten themselves yes. uh, into the mess of this adoption. That's right. They've really inserted themselves into this adoption process between the McCulloughs and Bibi. Yes. Um, so yeah. I can start with Bibi if you want. Okay. So Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, so Bibi is uh, Mia's co-worker at the Lucky Palace, the local mm-hmm. Chinese restaurant. And she is a, a Chinese immigrant and she confides in Mia about her life. And at one point she reveals that about a year ago she had a baby but she was forced to leave the baby at a fire station because she was unable to properly care for her. Mm. And Mia tells Bibi that your daughter is in the process 
of being adopted by this other family, the McCulloughs, yeah. a well-to-do yeah. family in town that is very close friends with the Richardsons. Mm-hmm. And from that information, Bibi then files a suit against the state for custody of her daughter, leading to a scandal and media circus that really rocks the town. Yes, yes. And everyone's forced to take sides. Mm-hmm. The other side of that is the McCulloughs, the the people who have the baby and have had physical custody for a year. And the McCulloughs are very similar to the Richardsons, although Linda is even more Annoying. focused. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Focused She's on really children yes. is what I was really going to mm-hmm. say. She's described as one of those people who is so motherly and it was part of her identity before she even gave birth since she was a little girl herself See, that I cannot relate to but go ahead oh gosh yeah she grows up keeping this maternal instinct her whole life she gets married and they get pregnant on their honeymoon but she very quickly miscarries the doctor tells her it's normal try again she tries again she miscarries again the doctor says wait six months they wait six months she gets pregnant she miscarries again this happens five or six times before the doctors finally tell her that really adoption is their only hope that her womb simply won't sustain the pregnancy and we get you know as we talked about before we get like five or six pages here in linda's Mm -hmm. head a a lot about her pain and her hardship trying to conceive and then when this baby sort of ends up on her town's firehouse steps it just feels like a miracle that it was for her right Mm -hmm. and so then this battle goes to trial and we are given some of the details of what happened when bb left the baby Mm -hmm. that it was freezing cold of course she says she wrapped her in everything that she had but she was only outside for 20 minutes but 20 minutes is a long time for a baby especially an infant she had horrible diaper rash which indicated she wasn't being bathed or changed properly she was underfed of course the mom says it was because her milk yeah she wouldn't latch and and the milk wasn't coming in as far as the author goes she really sets up a good nuanced there isn't one automatically right person and one wrong person for every action we are really given another side of it in in kind of detail right every point or bad fact there's a counterpoint and she even does it as a paragraph and then doesn't the next one in in parentheses and yeah. the I mean yes. it yeah even that just seemed way too neat for me like oh there's a point and here's a counterpoint there's a point there's a counterpoint but well that was at trial though isn't yes. that what a trial is yes. right yes yes the way she painted it it made it very very gray it wasn't like oh i just gave her up you Completely. know it was like mm-hmm. right there was it was really nuanced it seems everyone in the town is conflicted and the judge was one of them as well He takes a long time with this trial, but he ultimately grants custody to the McCulloughs. Mm -hmm. But where did you think the baby belonged? What did did you think the judge made the right decision or not? Yeah, I think I I I don't think the judge made the right decision. Um, Personally, I think I tend to side with the biological mother, and I admit, as a mother, I may have a bias in that regard, (laughs) right? And yeah. I assume that's true of a lot of mothers. I don't think I'm unusual in that. And a lot of the arguments for the McCulloughs, it just seemed like that can't possibly be. Meaning, 
okay, of course they they can provide a better life. They have more money. They have more resources. Like right. they that if that was the test, then of course uh, the the biological mother was never going to win. But but that's not the point. It's not about who you know can provide for things necessarily versus you know who who really has the bond like the the bond of yeah. motherhood. Now I understand she left the baby at a firehouse right. and well, there are people who say you fucked up then that's it yeah. you lost your chance yeah well that to me is the hardest part as a mother to yeah stomach right mm-hmm. I could not imagine leaving my child and, and on, truthfully if BB wasn't so poor and an immigrant meaning not really aware of the American system I really, though she yeah. really needed those two things yeah. for me to be sympathetic. Because had you taken away any one of them, I'm not sure I would have ever gotten there. Birth mother, you know, or not, yeah. notwithstanding, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because she has, she had no idea. She what not welfare only didn't, was, I mean, exactly. Right? I didn't mean, didn't have resources. Didn't even know what resources mm-hmm. there were available yeah. to her. I think so, those points that she put in do yes. help. You with oh that. my gosh, mm-hmm. yes. I truly often think that it it really is baffling to me that no one teaches you how to be a parent. And I, I guess know. this is not a big deal if you were born into a decent family that had some means and, but that is all anyone ever does is continue the same cycle that they were ta- taught. Right. So now for most people, that's not a big deal. It's probably mostly good and fine. Yeah. You know, you're taught, I don't know the American way or whatever, but if you don't have any means and you don't even know what's out there to help you and you don't aspire to more because you don't even know what else there is out there, it's a dis- it's a terrible cycle. Mm-hmm. And the fact that no one comes in and, and te- teaches anyone, well, this is what's available to people and this is what you can do and this is how some people raise their kids and this is what other people do and that nobody has to fucking read a single psychology book that really blows my mind <laughs> no. i mean no they because, don't yeah because you, you not you but anyone all one does is alternate between doing the things that taking from your own childhood what you thought was good and repeating the exact same thing and then also changing the things that you didn't think were good and then giving them the opposite of that. Meanwhile, there's good, there are repercussions for that too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's not, you're never going to make a perfect child, a perfect childhood. And do you know, are you making the right choice? Because are you just doing what you wanted your parents to do? Or are you thinking about, okay, when I do this for my kids because my my parents spoiled me, this is not mine, but my parents spoiled me so I'm going to withhold from my kids and make them earn things. Well, that's going to have a, an effect on them and they're going to come out right. a certain way because of that. Yes. Like, is that the better choice? I, I mean, I don't know. And there's no real right or wrong. answer. Mm-hmm. But I just want to know that people have thought about it. And the, and the fact of the matter is people don't think about it. They, they have just not. do it. No, no, and that, but really bothers me. It really does. I'm like they it, have not. <laughs> no, it really bothers me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went on a little tangent there, but it, in the same ways of not BB not even understanding what resources there were out there for her makes me a lot more sympathetic. Yeah. The one thing I did find interesting was how it it, it was in a different context, but Mrs. Richardson was thinking about it when she was trying to figure out if BB had had an, a, a subsequent abortion you know, for the trial. Yeah. 
And she was like, well, you know, this this child wasn't meant for Bibi. And maybe it's, this should be the McCullough's child. And then when Bibi can have another child, she has that luxury. Mm-hmm. She is able to True. conceive and, and have a child. So when she is stable and ready, she can go ahead and have a child. And I was like, that's actually kind of true and made me less sympathetic to Bibi for a minute. But really, at the end of the day, where I come down to is the kid. And I just don't know that any, you know, adoption is a wonderful resource for parents and children. But I don't know that a child ever is able to fill the hole of their, the people who made them not wanting them. Right. And there are certain stories that are easier to stomach than others, but it just leaves a void that is not, it should not be taken lightly. And if the birth mother is there and saying, you know, I'm better, I can do this. Yeah. 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 But it doesn't really matter what the judge decided because BB takes matters Uh, into her own hands. (laughs) Exactly. That's right. That's right. BB sneaks in and mm -hmm. steals the baby back. Yeah, and yeah. I know you noted this, and I have the same line, which is, it, the narrator says, "This is what would haunt Mrs. McCullough yeah. most that Mirabelle, that's the baby's name, yeah. hadn't cried out when BB had reached into the crib and lifted her up and taken her away, despite yeah. everything she'd done." Right. So this yeah. this Mrs. McCullough got her all the right clothes and made her homemade right. baby, made her baby food, food. <laughs> all of this, and and she's just thinking. Yet, in the middle of the night, this woman who left her on the firehouse steps can sneak into our home, take her out of my crib, her yeah. crib, and she just goes Not a to peep. her. Not a peep. Yes. Right? Because no. that's yep. the mother-child yeah. bond. Yes, yes, yes. So, okay. So do we want to talk about some scenes? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot happening. Oh my gosh, so much. I think that this... This scene early on, it's like about page 75 to 80-ish, is when Mia and uh, Izzy really sort of connect, if you will, which Mm. really does set off all sorts of things, including the, you know, ultimate conclusion of of Izzy lighting the house on fire. But, But Mia starts working for the Richardsons and gives her this toast and it's a small act of kindness. So Izzy opens up and tells her the story of why... She's been suspended, which turns out to actually be that she was trying to help another student, right? Yes, yes. And Mia says, well, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And that's a big question in, in this. And the narrator says, in those words, she heard a permission to do what she'd always mm-hmm. been told not to, to take mm-hmm. matters into her own hands to make trouble. And that moment between them really starts Izzy down this path which will ultimately as I said lead to her making trouble of the of the highest order by setting little fires on all her siblings beds and ultimately lighting her whole house on fire but yeah but but at that point it was I don't think Mia intended for her to go that far I think her point then was just you know, what are you going to do about it? You don't, yeah. you know, you, you, you yeah. can be your own agent of change and, you know, and they come up with this whole toothpick caper. 
But yeah. but in that moment, that's where you sort of see this spark of a connection between them. She sees in Mia what she doesn't see in her own mother. And then Mia looks mm -hmm. at her and sees her younger self. Yes. And so there's a, a this is sort of the start of their connection or relationship. And then ultimately, you know, Izzy's final act. Yeah. It's kind of a innocuous question. Yeah. But coming from Mia to Izzy, you know it's not, right? Mm -hmm. You know it's loaded. I don't know. Izzy is the person, as much as I'm a Mia, Izzy is the person I identified with the least, which I really did find their connection sort of a little more tenuous than it felt sometimes. Mia says that Izzy has the heart of a radical, mm -hmm. right? But she had the experience of a 14-year-old living in the suburban yeah. Midwest. Sometimes I really do think I have the heart of a rule follower, but <laughs> I, I don't know. It's hard for me to tell at this point. It really is. But I think that Izzy, her level of sort of outrage and anger was just just very hard for me to relate yeah. to uh, you know among other personality traits I think you had to have grown up really with security and stability but somehow that it felt confining and yeah. not not helpful and and you know useful and I just don't I didn't have any of those things so I can't relate to her yeah. at all yeah yeah um I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people who in reviews are like, she's just a spoiled brat, you know? Yeah. Who, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so yeah. she's confined. Yeah. Okay. In her really nice life. And yeah. so her mom didn't get her. Like, welcome to like being a teenager. You know, yes. like your mom doesn't get you. It doesn't mean you go light the house on fire. She is clearly very misunderstood by yes. her family. I mean, they say she's going to be on Jerry Springer yes. in 10 years. Yeah. But meanwhile, the thing, the examples they give were she are all very kind hearted, yes. you know, movements so yes. like freeing the stray cats giving mm -hmm. her clothes that she didn't want to uh, you know someone on the street um yeah i forgot what or the even one the was, one but... with the conductor that i'm talking about at school she yes. was helping a, another yes. student who yes. had been you know the teacher said something really nasty about exactly so if izzy is the the younger person that i could relate to the least i think the person that i related to the most was pearl Nice. Um, and okay. she, there's a point when Mia is sort of looking at her at the dinner table and thinking, I don't know if I've made the right choice by s deciding to stay in one place. And because she's clearly, Pearl has clearly fallen under the spell of the Richardsons. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I relate to Pearl the most because I grew up in this mia like household like you know nothing was consistent in our house my parents weren't rule followers my mom was very resourceful she made you know curtains out of sheets kind of thing the way mia does our apartment was full of like mismatched things i very quickly craved stability right i wanted more stability than i had and I also went to Catholic school where you are, it is, I mean, in my view, this is always the way it was. It's very easy to be a rule follower. It's very easy. It was for me. It was very easy to be a rule follower. So, and when you are and you have a decent personality and you fall, fall in line very quickly, you get, you're successful and yes. you're praised and it's, 
to me, it was like a no-brainer. Like, why wouldn't I want to be this way? I don't know that it's easy for everyone. I think if you are able to do it, then the path for you is easier, like you're saying. Then people like you better and things. But I think internally, some people, it's actually hard for them to be like that. I bet they wish they could sometimes because you're right. Then everybody sort of... I guess you fall right. in line better, but like, yes. if that's not your, in your DNA, I, I, I think that's well, tough. it is definitely in my DNA. Yeah. Then, so that's when I was like going more towards the Elena Richardson, you know, model of like this is much easier. This is just an easier way to go through life than mm-hmm. to constantly be challenging everything. And <laughs> certainly at Pearl's, you know, what is she fifteen? I mean, that was the height. I was exactly Pearl. Like, I loved my parents. I loved the way I loved my childhood. I loved the way I was raised. I thought they did a great job. But I was so drawn to and so much more interested in being the way the Richardsons were, even though I didn't have a family like that in my life. And I would look look at the Cosbys or whatever mm-hmm. it was and be like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. So that I could relate to the most. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And see, that- I was sort of living in that, so I didn't know that there was really even another way at that point. Right, right. That's interesting. You know, so ne- I, neither Izzy nor Pearl. Do you, wait, so then do you think you're more Lexi? I was just going to say I was probably more yeah. Lexi. Yeah, I'd like to think sense. I'm not as vapid and shallow as Lexi. Oh, oh my off. goodness. Was she vapid and shallow or was she, she was. 17? She's 17 she, too. But but so. Pearl oh isn't God. so vapid and shallow and she's 15. Because she's had a completely different upbringing. Yeah, that's that's fair. But she has, I mean, I Your experiences are limited. Yes, that mine were limited too and I was more yeah. like Lexi. But I did think that I had some more understanding of the outside world than, than Lexi did. But- but, you know. She's very probably, idealistic. Yes, yes. I wouldn't say vapid and shallow. I would say very idealistic. And and doesn't always know the way the world works in practice as opposed to theory, right? But per, yes. But but Lexi does change, certainly, throughout yes, it. And yes. Whereas Pearl disappointed me a little because, oh. it was because I felt like we had this... I don't know. It's not a relationship. It was a friendship between her and Moody. And in the very early on, you know, Moody says basically his life is is changed. For, it, it goes to the before and after, right? From mm-hmm. everything goes from this moment on, from the before mm-hmm. I met Pearl until after. And then they're mm-hmm. super close and you see how similar they are. And I'm like, this is great. It's going to be one of those really nice like friendships between a a, a boy and right. a girl and, and then is... he fucks it up well how does and he then fuck he, it up she wants he fucks and... it up by she... declaring like by trying to piss on her and she's like fuck you you can't piss That's on a... me wait. i'm not your property yes wait when did he is that before he does after not... she started banging his brother because he was the cool jock uh, she wait just... why what's wrong with that because why what was that's the, exactly what she should do she just by the way ju- and moody shouldn't be an asshole and not be friends with her he's anymore hurt. ruin the entire he's, he's hurt because she ditched him he had feelings for who her. cares well th- she didn't have feelings for him why do should you she really fucking care think she liked trip she 100%. had sex with him no 100 she got feelings for him instead yeah. she thought he was the cool guy and she wanted to lose her why virginity does- why does anyone at 15, that that to me, the way you descri- described it is fine. Why does anyone have feelings at 15? Oh my what God, I had complete, you should read my fucking journals. You'll see oh feelings. My God. I was 100% 
full of feelings at 15. I'd oh like to God. find those again. I mean, Bill. I have oh shit God. that I read. I was like, who is this person and why did she feel so much? That's shocking because oh, I'm the, it's the opposite. And, and knowing like that I could relate to Pearl. This is, yeah, I mean, I know at 15, I was like, I don't even know what life is. Let me just do everything that I'm going to do. Like, yeah, who no, knows? I really, just do it. I, I just, oh yeah. I, I, and see, I was on, I was on team Moody. Oh God, no. Because Moody, she seemed to yeah. actually have a real connection with them. They were a friendship. They had similar interests. Like, yes. So, and then he degraded her well, and acted like she was his property and the then f- wouldn't talk to him call like said horrible things about her yeah, then and, he acted like, like a 16 year old boy whose feelings were hurt i get it. it's the same right. thing if we're gonna di- if we're gonna give her some slack you gotta give him some slack no, he just wait, was wait, hurt what did she i'm sorry i still don't understand what she did to she ditched him. him i know she no. stopped talking she, to him completely basically no, because she replaced she, him no, with the older brother Wait, she did not. She lied stop to him at every him. turn and made up excuses no. of where she oh was instead God. of just saying, "You know what? I'm. I don't want to hang out with you anymore." Or, but she did. You know, Why would she say that? Because she didn't not want to hang out with him. She just wanted to have a romantic relationship with Trip and have a friendship with, with Moody. I don't. Know. I don't she understand just kept lying that. To him. She did. That's what you do to your friends, I guess. You just, you yeah. know. No, it's what you do when you're. I I don't remember her particularly lying. I do she sneaking says all the time, around with oh trip. Oh my god! I made him. I lied. I made up an excuse. I told him I was had this, right. or I told him I had that. Right. Because they were keeping the relationship private. She Which wasn't also, lying what too was moody. Up with that? I mean, that, I, that's just high school to me. Oh, that see, seemed very normal. I, I just yeah. don't. I, I yeah. don't. I still don't understand the sneaking around and and not telling yeah. anybody. But I I, I don't yeah. know. I get it. I, I just felt like get her it. and Moody had this friendship, that's and then it's so just I like, cannot Bleh. believe. No, see, that's the thing that I think is funny. I don't expect you to necessarily understand Pearl, and I did, but I'm surprised that you're Team Moody. I didn't think anyone in the world could be Team Moody. Really? Well, he then did get hurt, and then say something hurtful and act like a little brat. Yeah, asshole. and he got he hurt did. out of. But he got hurt. His that was his own problem not hers they were not together and she left him they were friends no, he lost and his friend he yes, felt like he I, lost his friend no and he, he wanted to be a-holy. with her though but no, he, he wanted absolutely to be with, i mean yes so oh that God. was what he was but really yes that's about. the story of my high school life of having these guys that i was friends with they yeah. had other aspirations i uh-huh. was not interested not and in- then they okay. got mad at me every time i had a boyfriend Oh my God! And here you are on Team Moody. Now I understand this even less. Yeah. Well, because. <laughs> oh my God! But I didn't lie to them. I was yeah, more I know. upfront about it all. Right, but but see, I do think she wasn't lying to Moody. She was just keeping the relationship private, so she couldn't tell Moody. She didn't tell anyone. Yeah, right. She did make up a lot of excuses, but that's not lying. Yes, saying no, you're going to be no, somewhere no, no, no. and then not. I mean. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, she didn't lie to Moody in particular. She lied. She was making up all those excuses to anyone. Yes, because but she kept the relationship was private. On him in particular, right, cause, because because it was really her only up. friend. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my god, that was an interesting detour. I did we're not. We're never expect. gonna finish. Yes, I, I'm we're only never gonna, gonna finish. Okay, yes. so we don't. We can <laughs> skip a lot of scenes. I know. I think so. Yeah. Wait. So so we'll just go to the last scene then. The one yeah. I was gonna start with. Yes, and I wanted to talk okay. about the ending. Ending, which is after okay. your scene, I guess. So. Okay. Okay. All right. We might so let get me get there. I think so. You've been to high school and back. Oh my God, I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, So the scene that I freaking 
cannot wait to see Carrie Washington and Reese yeah. Witherspoon have. Yes, it's on page 302. And it starts with Elena Richardson saying to Mia, what a hypocrite you are. You stole that couple's child and then you tried to take a baby away from the McCulloughs. Pearl is my child. You had a little help making her, didn't you? Mrs. Richardson raised an eyebrow. Linda McCullough and I have been friends for 40 years. She's like a sister to me. No one deserves a child more than she does. It's not a question of deserving. I just think a mother has a right to raise her own child. Do you, or is that just what you tell yourself so you can sleep at night? Mia flushed. If Mei Ling could choose, don't you think she'd choose to be with her real mother, the mother who gave birth to her? Maybe, Mrs. Richardson looked closely. Looked at Mia closely. The Ryans are rich. They wanted a baby so desperately. They'd have given her a wonderful life. If Pearl got, had gotten to choose, do you think she would have chosen to stay with you? To live like a vagabond? And then this is the part that, oh, so good. Mm-hmm. It bothers you, doesn't it? Mia said suddenly. I think you can't imagine why anyone would choose a different life from the one you've got. Why anyone might want something other than a big house with a big lawn, a fancy car, a job, and an office. Why anyone would choose anything different from what you chose. Now it was her turn to study Mrs. Richardson as if the key to understanding her were coded in her face. It terrifies you that you missed out on something, Mm -hmm. that you gave up something you didn't know you wanted. A sharp, pitying smile pinched at the corners of her lips. What was that? Was it a boy? Mm. Was it a vocation? Or was it a whole, a whole life? life? Oh, so good. That's great. Oh, so good. That we yes. can agree. That is yes. just fantastic. And you're right. That will be such a good scene between them. Right? Between the two of them? Oh, I feel like this is perfect casting, by the way. Yes. Yes. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. Perfect. As, that's yes. a great one. Yes. Um, of course, we don't really get any answers to any of those. No. But she raises it's all probably those all questions. of those things, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do, I you know, I really struggle with the idea that Mia is a hypocrite for her position with Bibi, but then taking Pearl. To me, the intention really does matter. Bibi wanted the baby and just didn't know how to deal with it momentarily. And Mia never wanted Pearl, never wanted a child. And no. she went into this getting pregnant for someone else and was never supposed to be the mother. And just because she gave birth to it, I don't know. I did think she was being very hypocritical. I was on I was on Mrs. Richardson's side there. I really was. On that one, yeah. 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 And I can see yeah. that because you're right. That's what she signed on board to do was to yes. just carry this baby for them. And she, you're yeah. right, she didn't want a baby at all at no. that time. But I guess... If we go with this, you know, the maternal bond that once it, once it kicked in for all though, but what, what, see, really but that bothers in- me yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Because as a mother, I did not feel a bond with my children when I was pregnant with them. I felt something. I mean, my body was changing. No, yeah. The whole thing was amazing and crazy and weird, but I did not feel a bond with the child that would eventually exit right. my body. And some people do, but yes. what, what's most important is what we know about Mia in this point in the story. And I mm-hmm. didn't feel that to your point, that there was anything in particular that then sort of turned for her other than her mother her saying... Her parents, yes. Yeah, her parents going, you know, how dare you sell a baby? And, yes. But she, since when did she I give agree. a fuck what her parents say? So I that, agree. So that didn't really seem 
to me to be something that was like a real moment for where she would go, oh my God, like I need to keep this baby. She just got in the car and drove away and suddenly she was keeping the baby. So it felt strange to me too. I agree. And I don't want to go too far down this road, but you know, I, I don't want to project what Celeste Ng thinks of fathers, but oh, geez. I, I mean, it's not, it, there are, there really is very little involvement, even when the father's quote unquote involved, all of the burden of parenting and the responsibility and the blame, everything just falls with the mothers, right? Mm-hmm. Well, e- and that yes, was the case, completely. that was the case in her other book as well. Really and how was. about even just even the boys, if you will, like, I, listen, yes, whether you're team Moody or not, I mean, Moody was turned into a little bit of an asshole. Yeah. And Brian, that boyfriend of Lexi's, I mean, he's yeah, like, fine, like trip. Eh. I mean, yeah, it's really not a very good representation of there's really no good sort of male. Yes. And any or character. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That really has I, any redeeming qualities. I mean, Mr. No. Richardson's not a bad guy. No, He's no, and neither not really and present. Yes, exactly. And it seems that she really harps on, you can't take a baby from her mother. You yeah. can't take a baby from her mother. Well, I mean, she takes a baby from her father. I mean, that that yeah. is that Ryan guy, I forgot his first name, but he is the father. Yeah. yeah. Or I how mean, about at the end when she's kind of hoping Izzy will come find her, which, you know, she does make the point, well, we can't just go get her because, again, yeah. Yeah, she's some, but basically she's rooting for Izzy, yes. so, someone else's daughter, to yes, come to, find her. Yeah. She's not going, oh, that, absolutely not, the bond with yes, uh, no, Mrs. No, Richardson no. and Izzy is so strong, no. a mother's no. love. No, she's like, hopefully Izzy will come find us. Yes. So what right. What did you think yeah. of the ending? Can we just, that? that's sort of my final scene. I thought the ending was exactly, every piece ended up where it was supposed to end up, um, given the way the story unfolded. But yeah, I, I just, know you have Yeah, I might just, feelings. the big thing is like, I, I do feel like I said earlier that this at the end is when we're supposed to maybe get this realization or growth from from Mrs. Richardson because she does at least sort of reflect on that uh, photograph that Mia leaves for her Mm -hmm. you know and and she she says you know like Izzy was gone you know everything had been rooted in this one fear that she might lose her and now she was gone and she thought about the photograph and was it a portrait of her or her daughter was she the bird trying to batter its way free or was she the cage And we know that Mia had said she could think of no better wish for Mrs. Richardson, which was to escape the cage. So from Mia's point of view, it was, you're the bird, and I hope you escape this cage of a life you've created for yourself. But I don't know what Mrs. Richardson thinks yet. I think she's just, as you point out, maybe just not ready yet to figure that out. And the fact that she's just asking the question is good enough at this point I mean I guess that's what I and I did think that that finally at least that is some self-awareness on her part but and so that I was like all right I get it we're just at least in this book we're not we're not going to get any more than that but we get this kernel that she's the fact that she's asking the question is something 
Um, yes. But the part about all this stuff about her searching for Izzy forever, for the rest of her life, <laughs> she'll be looking in the faces of strangers. I was just like, really? Like all of a sudden Mrs. Richardson gets it that the bond between a mother and child is so strong and unbreakable? Like what about Mia and Pearl or Bibi and her daughter? Like she spent so much time condemning them. Mm-hmm. And and what about how she treated Izzy? And I, I just was like, that seemed too far-fetched for me that now suddenly she realizes all this on the last page that seemed very forced I don't know I think she didn't treat I thought she treated Izzy well they just didn't connect and at what point do you not know what to do I mean I dread the day I'm raising teenagers I really do but she had other teenagers I don't think you think she treated them all equally I do no. I think she had a different relationship with each one of them. Yes, and Izzy's was the most fraught. Yeah, but yeah, and and she says it started from pregnancy, right? Yeah, I know they do give that backstory of why it is. I think it was reflective of the difficult relationship they had that she loved her and tried in her ways to help her what what she knew to do, but she didn't know how to help her, and maybe she maybe she didn't even need her help which is probably a painful thing for a mother to have to come to especially on the fourth child when that hasn't been that way with with the other ones but yeah I I did think I understand what you're saying but I did just think it was that was the way that was the only ending that it could really be you know Mm. there wasn't going to be more than that interesting but you found it unsatisfying. I, I did. I mean, I yeah. found a lot of it unsatisfying. <laughs> oh, but, my um, <laughs> I'm like, I did. Yes. <laughs> you I know, see it, yeah. I just, I just thought there were really, there were moments, and I, I get what you're saying, that, that maybe just even having a little crack was a lot for her. Yes. But, but I mean, so by the end, I think I said this to you before, like she still doesn't know. She still thinks that it was Moody and Pearl who got pregnant and then it was no. Pearl who had the abortion. No, no, no she, she doesn't know her was... own daughter Lexi had the abortion. She does not no, know. No, right, but no, she does I think she thinks it's Trip and Pearl that had right. Yes, but yes. my point is she believes one of her children impregnated yes. a girl and yes. that that girl, Pearl, had an abortion. Yes. Right. And yes. I, I mean, again, I'm not asking for a lot, but there could have been a moment of wow, I had these rules and they were set up to protect my children and they didn't work, right? Like, look at this. Like, and it it doesn't, without her even knowing that it was Lexi, it could have been a moment of this, maybe these rules don't work because it didn't didn't stop my son from getting someone pregnant and it also, he didn't come talk to me so it didn't create an environment where he felt like he could. So just like a little, like a line or two. But do you think that was important to her that someone come talk to her? I don't think no. That I was think important it's important to her. to her to realize at some point that you these these rules you set were so that you could, could make sure to control everything and make sure that everybody was safe and happy and they don't work because look what happened. Despite that. I don't think she would say that. I don't think she would say they don't work. I think she would say they fucked up, right? I don't think they would say the rules don't work. The rules do work. That just just because somebody doesn't follow them doesn't mean they don't work. But they're meant to protect against harm is what I think. And that didn't work, right? Because yeah. something bad still happened anyway. I guess. And you could come to some really, like, unless you're just saying she's just incapable of growth. 
No, I'm not saying she's incapable of growth. I just don't know what growth you expect. I think that, growth is that, asking the questions. A, yeah. Right? Like, no, I don't th- I don't think she would ever come to the point of thinking that rules aren't okay. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. What she said with Celeste Ng. Now, I, I'm so interested to hear what you have to say about this. <laughs> but Celeste Ng, for me, is on par with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Oh, God. Okay. I love listening to her talk about process she is so incredibly generous with how much she talks about her process and like how much she's willing to break it down and get into like the nitty-gritty of it I've listened to a lot of podcast interviews with her and just the way she digs into process and point of view and you know all of the choices she makes and how she drafts and and all Mm -hmm. of that I just love listening to her. Now, I don't think Fleabag and this, I don't think their ultimate work products are the same, but Celeste Ng for me is someone who I could listen to talk about the creative process forever. She's right up there to me with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. So I would really like you to send me those because I know because what I admittedly have not read or listened to as much of, of her or interviews with her as you have. So that's why I'm genuinely asking because yeah, yeah, the yeah. ones that I looked up and yeah. listened to or read were related to this book. And of course, sometimes in an interview, they go beyond that. But but yeah. a lot of her responses on Little Fires Everywhere was the same thing over and over. I, 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 could, mm. I heard about Shaker Heights and I heard about why she chose yeah. that and her upbringing yeah. and the themes and motherhood. Same thing over and over. Now, there was a couple podcasts where they then which is a function of the interviewer too, who who yes. rightly goes beyond that yes. and yes. and did ask about her process. And I did find that fascinating how she, yeah. you know, doesn't do what I would say is a more conventional outline method or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And those parts were interesting. So if yeah. you've got more on of that kind of stuff, because I got stuck a little bit on the interviews and things that were really focused on little fires everywhere. And that got a little repetitious. I actually have three right on the top of my head. There was a Barnes and Noble interview. Barnes and Noble has a podcast and they did one with her between the covers and first draft. Oh, wow. All of those were all really great. Some obviously there's some overlap, but really not because she talks about fire a lot. But even in those, she ended up telling different stories. I want to hear about the fires. Okay, I really did love the way she used fire as a theme. And we were joking about it a little in the beginning, how you cannot open this book without finding some fire-related word. Smolder, smoke, spark, (laughs) fire. I mean, it is on almost every page. And, oh, ignite was another one, right? Match. I just found that to be so smart and also not pretentious because it was such a basic elemental thing oh ash was another one Mm -hmm. that was uh, on some pages anyway shocking i thought this would get a different reaction from you celeste ing her birthday is july 30th (gasps) she she is a leo Oh no! Yes, she is, and oh, I got pretty give her close to you. Chance. That's very pretty close, close to, me. to you. That's yes. two days apart. Oh, yes. oh so, boy! So one of the things she says, fire is such an interesting concept because for us as humans, it's something we are afraid of, something that 
that can get out of control really easily. Look Mm -hmm. at, and she was talking about the California wildfires. So there's this huge sense of potential danger, but we also have to try to control it or even prevent it. It's an old problem, but also a very modern problem. And then she goes on to say, but at the same time, fire is behind so much of what we're able to do. The first thing that allows us to cook our food, to harness energy. Uh So it's this amazing tool We need it, and yet we have to be careful of it. We have to try to control it, but we also have to use it. So we have an interesting relationship with fire as human beings, and and that is appealing to me as an artist. Oh, I like that. Yes, right? (laughs) I like that. Yeah, I like that she sees the same thing. And it's not that the – it's not even that the context changes. It's that – it's more of the degree, right? Like a little fire is a good thing. Maybe it's passion. Maybe it's a spark. It's mm-hmm. a good, like those are things we talk about yeah. with love, right? Yes, or, or of and an idea all, when you're writing right, something or creating something. Yeah, exactly. Um, and those are all good things. But then if it gets, but it can get out of control and that's what really scares people. Clearly, mm-hmm. I think that's what's behind Elena Richardson's, yes. um, you know, trying to keep everything so under wraps and under control. You can't. But even how Mia talks about what comes after the fire, the regrowth. Mm -hmm. So there's Mm -hmm. also that. It's regenerative and rising from the ashes. And like sometimes you have to burn things down and then the soil. And the soil is richer. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's it's a great analogy. I, 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 I love that. And I did not hear her sort of talk about the backstory of it. Um, Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah, I don't know what you were listening to. I then. know because if she didn't talk about fire in a podcast, that person was asking uh, all the wrong well, questions. I think I told you who was on. Yes, 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 <laughs> but it wasn't the only one. In, and she's a fire. And sign. she's a fire sign, so this, a Leo. This makes so much more sense. I love, love it. it. Love uh, it. So mine is actually not about little fires everywhere but it is an essay she wrote i don't know if you oh, read there's it so many. i, I okay, well, i'm sure there's so much i could have picked yeah, a thousand things yeah from um 2008 in this fiction writer's review it's called stranger than fact why we need fiction in a world of memoirs mm-hmm. did you read yep. this i've read it and i she spoke about it 10 years afterwards on the between the covers podcast oh so, so you gotta so listen you're to gonna have even yes. more insight yes, into go. this because i only go. read I the article itself so in it, she recounts a conversation she had with a woman on a bus, like about a book that she was reading. And the woman mm-hmm. made a comment that that I hear a lot, which is why this article oh, really gosh. struck me. Yes. Oh, I don't read fiction. You know, yeah. I, I prefer true stories, like memoirs or nonfiction. And admittedly, most people I hear this from are men. But mm, I have okay. heard it from others as well. And And she says in the article that the way this woman on the bus said fiction, as if it were a foreign word, like still rankled her, you know, and it reminded her how many people have no interest in fiction and almost no concept of what the term fiction means. Mm -hmm. And as a writer of fiction, she said, I worry about this. And so do I. And Mm -hmm. I never quite know, particularly, of course, I should note, since we're doing a podcast called Pop Fiction (laughs) Women. Okay, so it is very personal to me. Plus, as a writer of fiction and a consumer of fiction, this really does bother me. And 
I never quite know what to say back to people. You also got to realize who you're talking to. Sometimes it's not even worth it. But right. I know I, I do get defensive in defense of fiction. Right. And I, if I think the person's going to listen to me, which is not often, I usually quote C.S. Lewis. We read to know we're not alone. And I've loved mm. that quote since I was a kid. And yes. literally since I was a kid, it made so yes. much sense to me. Like I read these books even when I was younger, to know that like other people feel this way or yeah. see things the way I do or mm -hmm. or see something different, but it speaks to me or whatever. Like, so, but that doesn't always work with people. Now I think I should just send them this article. Um, yes. Right? So she said, like, she, so she asks, you know, what she calls the larger question. Like, why do we need fiction? Isn't a story just better if it's true? And isn't a story that's made up less powerful, less, right. less gripping? Like, what difference does it make if a story is fact or fiction? And there are people who are like, I prefer it to be in fact because, well, it really happened. So, so that makes it important. Somehow more legitimate. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. she said, she said, it, she answers her own question. She says, it makes a great deal of difference. The power of memoir lies in its factual truth. In memoir, the author's integrity is crucial. Without it, the author's lying under oath. But with mm -hmm. it, we give credence to even the most unbelievable horrors. Well, like whatever the person's writing about, if we know it's a true story, then we give it all the credit in the world. But she said, in fiction, the author has no such head start. And this yes. is the part I love. She says, mm -hmm. unlike the memoirist who promises to tell the truth, the fiction writer says up front, I'm going to tell you a lie, but at the end, you will feel that it is true. Ugh. Oh, right. She's, she says he or she, he or she is a kind of magician who makes sure you know that the flames, all oh, the flames, sorry, another fire reference. Yeah. The flames are only an illusion before letting you burn your fingers in them. Every event, every character must be made real by the author's skill. Yeah. It's a tricky balancing act because the fiction writer aims for simultaneous belief and disbelief. A belief in the essential trueness of this world, that these mm -hmm. people could exist, that these events could have happened with a full consciousness of their falsehood. And I just... This, I like, love that. Right? I loved it. Yes, I, I really did. And I think it is a harder... It is a harder job. The fiction writer is up against so much more, but I do think that the truths are so much more universal when you've like told them I'm going to lie to you and yet at the end they're like oh my god this rang so true yeah. I feel like that is so much more gratifying to me yes and listen yeah. I, I'm I'm here for all of the genres yes. like I, I'm not a person who says I don't read this or I don't read that I, I'm agree but which is why it annoys me when people right, just they categorically so I yeah. will I don't read that yeah right well, no, what, they why well yeah. <laughs> I mean yeah. You should be up for anything. Like a good story is a good story, whether it's a true story or maybe, you know. So I, I just really liked her impassioned um, argument for why we need fiction. And, and I, loved I thought it. that was great. Yes, I loved it. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I, she had so much good stuff about race, about, I don't know if you read How to Be Chinese. And she just has so much good stuff. And I really 
had, I was like, I can't even get into all of this because it's going to be an, it would be an hour long podcast. Yeah. That's in the problem. Itself. And we, <laughs> yes. we are already chock full and exactly. we haven't even gotten to the crystal ball. Exactly. Or our exactly. takeaways. Yes, exactly. And I have a, a longish story for my takeaway too. So, Oh geez. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I'm wondering, do you want to skip the crystal ball or do you have something that you're dying to share? Cause we don't have to skip it, but. I mean, I just had me, you mean, is, am I dying to share that Mia goes and um, uh, finds uh, Mr. Ryan and falls in love with him? Uh, oh was... my God, I had the opposite. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? I have Pearl finding Mr. Ryan and hating Mia and going in to live with them. Wait, who like, goes to live? Wait, re- Pearl. Pearl goes Pearl. to find her birth father. If yes. You yeah. And then wants to live with them and hates Mia and blames her for keeping her away from her father and her real family for her whole life. Oh, isn't that funny though that we went down the same road yeah. even well, because there's so many different ways to go. There are, but you know what? That was the area in the book that Mia did not get any sort of comeuppance for that. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. And, and I, so I do so think you want to punish her a little. Well, right. I guess <laughs> that storyline was not really addressed enough yeah because it had it was just in flashback and it was kind of like just what what Elena Richardson had un- uncovered in her investigative yeah. you know moment but what the fuck <laughs> i was just so the reason i hooked onto this was i was so fascinated by the the line where maybe it's a couple lines but where it's revealed that mia has never had any romantic relationship yes. has basically never Yes. been with a man or yeah. or at her whole life and that yeah. just had me thinking like wow like that's yeah. kind of crazy yeah and so I also thought but you <laughs> so I thought and won't Pearl want to meet her dad so I have them going back and of course he and his wife are divorced in my scenario because the stress of Mia running away with their their chance at mm, a baby and all these okay. failed attempts sure. really took a toll on their marriage and it was also so weird from the beginning that Mia looked exactly like his wife which is kind of yes. why they chose her yes but I just felt like you know she this is a guy who knows her story her secret yeah, her past yeah, yeah. and she doesn't have to hide anything with him right. and so in my little scenario Mia and him fall in love and she finally realizes like that she can be like have a home and be settled and not and and have stability and some domesticity and that the two can exist together so this is where I wanted some growth like she can oh still God. be an artist and a free spirit but you you can still create a home and be with someone else and in a relationship you don't always have to be running that is shocking I I I mean you you your book would have been your version would have been light the shit on fire (laughs) yeah yeah. screw these little fires everywhere this is this now that we're crystal ball I'm not saying this could have happened in this story but now I don't think it could ever happen no I don't think it could ever same thing with Elena where you want Alina to get to and where you're saying me, we want me to get yeah. to, I don't think that's possible for these human beings. Uh, ever. Yeah, and, oh, ever. yeah. And I want Elena to like, I don't <laughs> oh, know, God. start introducing to her everyone as, please call me Elena. I want her to eat cereal out of the box or something instead oh, of measuring oh. her half cup, pour a whole glass of wine. 
Right. I take up yoga. I don't know. Start listening to rap. Just something. <laughs> Just a little bit, Elena. Get out of your shell. Okay. I love Just it. Just a I little love bit. It. I anyway. love it. I love but, it. Okay. Well, so that's our, more realistic. I yeah. Think. I like think a we little could bit. ask those things of Elena. I think we Small can. Small subversive acts. Yes, yes. For Elena. Notice I don't go too crazy for her. Not for uh, her. Yeah. But Mia, you throw her right into the fire. Because I just, I'm so sad that she's never had any kind of romantic experience. And I but she like doesn't want her. to. But does but she, she doesn't not want, want one. to? Because she she's been running from her past. Like, she's no, never. No, no. She never like, did. But confr- as a teenager or. As a 20-year-old before? Well, because I mean, she had other passions, and her art kind of consumed everything. Yeah. But there must be room for some other things, too, not at the, you know? Just Ugh, let it's, a a lot of, it's a lot of complication. It's a lot of extra shit. Why bother? Well, she's I can, already I see had a Mia. baby with the guy. So. Yeah, I guess. No, I, <laughs> I mean, do I do understand why you'd pick him as opposed to someone else. Yes, but oh, exactly. Cause I that, do think like, it's asking a lot. It, But that one takes away some of the hurdles. Because he she already wanna, knows. Yeah, back, but she doesn't you know. want to be. She doesn't want to be tied down to anything. But maybe she can now that maybe. Pearl has grown up. What is uh, she running for now? She can live in New York would, and do her art. She's she's not always people who. Oh, my friend Sam always has this great quote. Um, not all those who wander are lost. Yeah, I don't no, think she's always point. running. Some people just like to move. Just yeah, but like at the to, end, I thought like I think. You oh yes, so. like, agreed. On. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I was a little uh, well, and that it, she had said I'm going to stay, and then she didn't, and that yeah. was what bothered me. That yeah. Was, yeah. All right. So a mini crystal ball there. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. yeah. All right. So our takeaways. Oh, jeez. Mine's another criticism. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So then let's go with yours. So we'll end on a nice note. Yeah, and mine's, mine's a- quick. And if you have a, a good story, then yeah, that's okay. going to be better. Okay. I mean, all right. Good. I, you know, I just think that my takeaway relates, what I took away from this is it sort of relates to my own writing. I just took away from this how important it is to make sure that your characters feel deeply and experience change as I've been yearning Mm -hmm. for here. And then more importantly, that your readers can feel it too. And I want Mm -hmm. to acknowledge that I realize how ridiculous it is for an unpublished wannabe author like myself (laughs) to use this New York Times bestselling novel as an example of what not to do. Okay, I can admit that. Okay, is anyone listening going, dude, honey, you don't even have a book. And she wrote little fires everywhere. Duly noted. Like, I get it. I'm just telling you that personally for me, um, I and listen, I think this book, like I said, I think it's ambitious. I have a lot of respect for her desire to focus on you know, a lot of society's hot button topics to, to, yes. to grapple with so many different storylines and yes. to still keep it all together. A hundred percent respect for that. But as readers, I just think we need to experience the ways that her characters change and grow. And I didn't really feel that. But yeah. I think more fundamentally, I just didn't care that much about these characters. I think I said that earlier. Look, I didn't not just didn't feel their inner conflict or see their growth. I didn't really care whether BB or Mrs. McCullough got the baby. I didn't care that much about Mia or Mrs. Richardson. And it didn't make me feel, I was going to say it didn't make me feel anything strongly one way or another, but clearly it did because I feel strongly (laughs) how much I didn't care. Um, So I don't know what it's, it was a perfectly nice experience, but I read some, review and this exactly summarizes it for me but the world in which I read it would be indistinguishable from the one in which I didn't and I and I just feel like it's for 
to, on a personal note, what I yeah. want to take from it is that when writing that I really want to make sure that I'm crafting characters and looking at their arcs and asking myself, will the reader feel this character's pain or struggle or joy or whatever yeah. it is? And I want to keep that in mind. And that's what I take away from this. Yeah. Well, I think even to add on that, I think what you are always drawn to, and by the way, I, I am too. So my writing, like the way I, I, I want to emulate Celeste Ng is more in the way she tells a story, like her points of view, her use of narrator and whatever, whatever. But I think the difference here is we like characters that are, when you start the story, when you come into their lives, they're on the precipice ready for big change. N neither Mia nor Alina were, were at that point. At the end, maybe they are closer to that precipice of mm -hmm. ready to, to for change in their lives. Maybe, maybe not. Right. Um, but they are certainly closer to it at the end than they were at the beginning. In the beginning, they are so firmly entrenched yeah. in everything they know. And they cannot be bothered to even consider something else. And that is the change I see from beginning to end is that they consider that there is another way and they see real benefits of them and also humanity in places where they didn't see humanity. And, but that's not interesting change to you. And I hear that. I understand that. Or what so, wasn't enough change for me. Like maybe that's yeah. a little too incremental and I wanted more yes. of a leap or something, right. you know? Right. Which is, like I said, you want a character yes. that's on that precipice ready to make that jump, mm -hmm. um, yeah. which is just a more interesting story to you. I which is also that. personal, right? Yeah. So my takeaway, okay, it, it relates a little bit back to fire and because I she did talk about this a lot, but but I, it gets to a sort of a different place. So she tells a story about her father and her father's job. He was a physicist, and he spent the earlier part of his career in Pittsburgh studying explosions for mines. She didn't really know any of that when she was young. What she knew was they had home videos where her father has this, like, massive grin on his face, like grinning ear to ear, and then also in the home video is him setting off an explosion that's huge and loud and crazy behind him. Whoa. So that was his work. His work was trying to prevent mine explosions. Part of, <laughs> part of his job in learning how to prevent them was setting them off so that you know sort of the tipping point or you know if you do this, then it's going to explode. And if you don't do that, it helps, you know. So, so that was his job. Um, and then they moved, the family moved to Shaker Heights because he got a new job. And he this time he was working with NASA. He was still studying explosions because that was his ex experience and her, his expertise. But mm -hmm. this time he was studying them not as a force of destruction, but as a force of propulsion. Ooh. And she says that these explosions were going to take you somewhere, shoot you out into space. So he worked on the same thing from two very different sides, right? Yeah. It, explosions, but using one as a force of destruction, one as a force of propulsion. And she then likens it to um, her child at the time. I think her son was seven and he was very into good guys and bad guys. And she told him mm -hmm. good guys and bad guys aren't so different. And, you know, they often see themselves as the good guy mm -hmm. when someone else sees him as the bad guy and the right. and vice versa. And one thinks they're trying to help, but they're actually getting in the way. And the other, you know, it's not as one-sided. Yeah. 
if you see the bigger context and when you zoom out and see the bigger context. And that's what I really appreciated about this book and the nuance of it, which I said this when we talked earlier, her first book was all told from multiple points of view, but it was all within the same family. So you weren't quite getting as much complexity and nuance. Here, we not only have Mia and Elena, we have the kids being different versions of the same arguments. We have the adoption playing out different versions of the same arguments, you know, the same themes over and over, the same positions, but sort of different so that you're seeing different shades. So I guess my takeaway was there, it's it, people say there's two sides to every story, but really there's there's a lot more of that. Yeah, yeah, a lot more than that. So I just loved that her own father w- was what inspired. Yeah, very that inspired cool. that perspective, and, and the, that she had had it for so long. Yeah, yeah, and that this fire theme has been integral. Oh my gosh. to her life for as long as it has. Right. My uh, goodness. Cle- clearly, uh, you know, from a very young age. I think they moved to Shaker Heights when she was nine or ten. So, so she remembers her father setting off those explosions when they were, were in Pittsburgh, younger than that. Um, and then re- you reading that article too for the fiction, why fiction is important, and and her uses of those words that are just yeah, yeah tie into that. It's Which fascinating. Which is well before she wrote Little Fires, well before she even wrote her first book. And I wonder right. if she even realizes how long she's been using. Those I, those words and those she probably does. It sounds I like can't, this is, I don't know. I can't imagine. Right? But I mean, I don't think she would be surprised. No. Um that's true. This not. this I can relate to. And I right? I wonder, I mean, I don't I feel like I use fire analogies a lot, but I wonder if it's not more than other people, you know, because I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. I only know my own perspective. But right, right. But I think I do. Yeah. <laughs> I think I use oh, it a lot. I I know I do, but yeah. and I've always ascribed it to being an Aries and being yeah. a fire sign. Mm-hmm. But this is, I mean, she yes. takes it to to another like, level, way, yeah, and it goes way deeper. By the way, she also talks about water. She has a lot to say about water too. I thought it, oh. you know, it's now that's a little bit more interesting to me to think about because she does say those she fire is clearly her number one obsession mm-hmm. but water is a number two for her and I wonder if this will be the direction of her next book maybe there'll be like torrential rains hurricane floods well, there, there is definitely I believe another theme involving motherhood uh, she did say that on a podcast I listened to that. Oh, yeah. No, that's yeah. all she can write. That's yeah, all that's she has. She the says. I mean, her first one is entirely about this. Yeah, yes. she can't. She can't move. She away has a good that. point, though. She's like, I mean, it's never going to go out of style. There's always no. going to be mothers and children. And so yes. it's it's a popular theme for a reason. Yeah, I give her a lot of credit because I... I don't know. Motherhood's like the only thing I can't write about. And it's oh. so weird because I, I am uh, along, along the lines of Linda, which I'm just laughing because you said she was so annoying. I am. I was definitely, I mean, I don't know. You've probably seen an essay I wrote. Like I wanted yeah. to be a mother from a very young age. Yeah. Like very obsessed. I forgot with, about that when I made fun yeah. of Linda. No, it's sorry. Oh, oh God. <laughs> just kidding. Please. I'm so offended. Because you don't remind me of Linda in any other way, no, just no, so you know. No, no. And I don't relate to that because I did I did not have those feelings. Yeah. Before, during, or after. So Yeah, but I'm saying I did before, during, and after. Probably but you less still so don't. after. And right. I still just cannot 
right about being a mother in any way. Oh God. And Kate, now I'm I'm sure this is gonna come around to bite me in the ass. You're gonna be like, at some point you're like, you have to write about being a mother. Well, yeah. Just I'm gonna, try it. Well, but yeah. I was about to tell you that neither can I. And so therefore there's our next assignment. We probably both should, right? right? I can't yes. I was gonna completely agree with you. And in fact, before we started talking, when I was trying to figure out what a what all my issues were with this book. Yeah. One of the things I thought about was maybe I, and I didn't want to admit it, but now we're going there. Yeah. Maybe I'm just not that interested in a book about motherhood. And this is, and what does that say about me? I, I, Kate, I don't know, but I, I don't disagree with you. I think it's just a thing that you either are into or you're not. Yeah. I don't know. We have to but I also just this. find them to be so judgy and, you Even know, when they're trying not to be. I don't know. I don't think Little Fires Everywhere was trying not to be. No, I think but sometimes instead, they are. But then you're yeah. like, but you still are. Right. I, and the, I don't know. I, yeah. And I think she was trying to be judgy from a lot of different points of view. So as to give you many points of view, which I did appreciate. Yes. Now, just so no one can call me like a liar and a hypocrite. I mean, I've, I've written hundreds of thousands of words about motherhood, but all nonfiction. Mm-hmm. I've written so right. many essays. I mean, it was part of my job for a long time. So, right. so that, but that's it's fiction true. too. So, yeah, I don't know. Mm, Something to, we're gonna have I to don't, explore this. I guess, but maybe it's just that I don't. I just like love in my fiction. I Me like too. love stories. Oh, right? forget it. Yeah, completely. I know. So, so should we? And there's none of that, which what? is which is why none. I wrote one for Mia. In the future, yes. look there at me. You I, go. I had to go. I had to go write yes. one. <laughs> yes, crystal ball. You're like, there's nothing in there. I have to do this. Literally nothing. Yeah. Well. Well. I don't know. I I clearly projected more onto Pearl and Trip. I yeah, found there to I be a, a, a love sweet story? love story. Yes. Yes. Mm, I, like no, get, I hear you. It's, that was getting some in the basement to me, but. <laughs> Well, it's part of love. Very, yes, but very that is part of and love. also very typical teenage. So I, I get yes. that too. But yes. that didn't hit me as like a love story. No, but, I hear you. No, I hear but you. But in this book, wouldn't. you're right. That would be, uh, yes, be really All the only option. Hang, yes, that's really mm-hmm. what I meant. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. Stay tuned on that. I'll be interested to see where we push that one. Yes. All hopefully right. under the rug. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, it's great. All right, Kate. This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you loved this episode, please leave a review. And if you hated it, email us. We want to hash it out. Love us or hate us, don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. And keep it complicated.